This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So here we go. Uh, season's over, of course. It's your Uncle Stamford Chidge here from the Chelsea Fancast. So uh, I thought I'd pack my bucket and spade and go to the, you know, the seaside of South Devon or anywhere suitably exotic. But oh no, oh no. Just like Al Pacino, once I thought I was out, they pull me back in. And there's a very good reason for that because uh, my one of my dearest friends at Chelsea and, and without doubt my favourite author... He's done some work. He's done it again. Mr. Mark Worrell uh, of Gate 17 fame has released another humdinger. And uh, this time it's called When Skies Are Grey, uh, Super Frankie Lampard and the uh, Coronavirus Crisis. And uh, I tell you, I haven't read it all, but I've I've read enough of it to to be able to tell you um, that, you know, look no further for a wonderfully written and, I mean, very detailed chronicle of uh, the last season, which, of course, was infamous for so many reasons. But before we get into that, I should uh, give a welcome to our very fine, esteemed guest, Mr. Mark Worrell. How are you, dear boy? Yeah, very good. Very good. It's very kind of you to pop along at short notice to uh, talk about the book. Um, but, uh, you know, any assistance I can give in uh, giving this a hefty plug, of course, always goes without saying. So thank you for doing this. Um we were just talking, weren't we, uh, off air a minute ago about about the fact that you, you you've done a few of these actually, and the, the two on Conte, the Italian job, and uh, Aravideci Antonio, uh, you know, yeah. went went down very well. And we're very very, I just love the fact that it's just so self contained, isn't it? Doing a, a book on the season, well, um, yeah. But you exactly. missed you missed Sarri out, and and but you're back with Super Frankie. Basically, yeah. Well, yeah. As a, as as we were discussing, I, I have to like the person that I'm writing about. Um, I, I find it difficult. Uh, so we let Dean Mears do the Sari book, and a very good job he did of that as well. Um, so yeah, Frank. The appointment of Frank was always going to be interesting. Um, I mean, clearly, we had no idea what was going to happen over the course of the season, um, and indeed, kind of the you know the 
the, the, the drama that unfolded off the football pitch, which, which kind of enveloped the game as well. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of Frank, why did we end up with Frank? Um, why he was a good appointment? So I kind of like take it back a step and look at the, the idea of the simpatico manager. Um, so the nice guy manager and, and why sort of delving not too far back into Chelsea's history, sort of going back to Glenn Hoddle, who kind of was the catalyst that set the uh, chemical reaction in, in motion that, that kind of got us to Ron Abramovich era Chelsea, that obviously Frank was a big part of as a player. So it kind of delves into the, that, that kind of history and, and why kind of the stars aligned and the time was right for Frank to come home and be the manager. So the, the first sort of section of the book de- details that. I really like that actually, and 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 you're right. I mean, there's the two two things that caught me. The first one was this whole idea of simpatico, and uh, I mean, I love I love the way you explain that. But I mean, in, in short, it's kind of really where, as you say, the stars align, and you get a manager at the club that we love, who indefatigably indefatigably get my teeth in, kind of loves it like we do so you get that kind of instant bond don't you which i think and you i know you do is crucial isn't it in, t- in terms of support i mean i know we joke a bit about you know when you don't like a manager we all give them the bird at the game and they get the sack and we all like to think it was all down to us and if we like support them to the rafters and keep them in the job you know the converse is true but there's more to it than that isn't there marco yeah i think definitely there is and, it, and it, i mean it's quite interesting the way the season evolved where we couldn't go to games anymore. Um, but there was still, even though there were a couple of wobbles, um, you know, notably kind of the, the loss to Sheffield United uh, and also the West Ham games, um, you know, where there weren't supporters at the games, um, it, it, there was kind of a, a rumbling of discontent online Um with the usual suspects, but kind of the match going crowd, I mean, you know, not to make that distinction too much, we're we're sort of fully in support of, of the manager. And I think, you know, for, for people who go to games to have somebody who gets them uh, as a group of people who have supported a manager, either as a player and a manager or just a player or as a manager, um, to have that bond that you can only really get, you know, in a stadium when you're singing that player's name, you're singing that manager's name, um, you know, that, that kind of empathy and, and bond that's built up, you know, that, that, that kind of carries through. And, it, you know, it was great with Frank to have that, all that momentum from his, his time as, building up to become Chelsea's greatest scorer of all time. And, you know, plenty of people say the greatest player ever to play for the club as well. Um, to make that transition in a short space of time from the end of his playing career to become a manager, um, you know, obviously people were nervous about him tarnishing his, um, his legend status because things might not work out. And obviously... The board at Chelsea are, are pretty um, unforgiving when it comes to giving managers time to remedy problems. 
So there were all those concerns, but they were overarched by, you know, that, that overwhelming love and support that there is um, for, for, a, for a player come manager of, of Frank's standing. I mean, you know, you, you were very diplomatic there and, you know, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I've known you for a good old while now. And I mean, you are without doubt one of the nicest blokes in the Chelsea community. But, you know, I've always noticed this about you. You get on with everybody. You've never got a bad word to say about anybody. And you, you keep well out of the politics. Something, some, some advice you gave to me a long time ago, which I didn't follow because I'm an idiot. Um <laughs> And, and you're always actually, I mean, you, uh, I think it's interesting because you, you, you talk about really the distinction that we seem to have now, which is for those that go to the matches and support the club or are able to support the club by going to the games and those who are not able to, uh, but are very active on Twitter. And I mean, one of the things, I'm not going to invite you into a, you know, a cavernous spat therein, but what I will say, Marco, is I've, no, I've noticed, uh, you, you know, your Twitter engagement this season particularly and and I've noticed that you've always been really positive about it and and in a way you know it's kind of life imitating art imitating life in a way you know you you, you put positive vibes out you 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 know I don't know if you remember that film uh oh god almighty I can't remember the name of it now but Clint Eastwood uh Clint Eastwood in it and Donald Sutherland and they kind of like did a bank job in the second world war they had a tank all oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the Donald Sutherland character, it was very incongruous. Kelly's Heroes, there you go, I knew it would come to me. Very incongruous because it was a film clearly set in World War Two, but with a very kind of late 60s mindset. So for some reason, Donald Sutherland was a hippie about 20 years before being a hippie had been invented. But he would always say, what's with the negative waves, Moriarty? And it's, I, I kind of feel the same kind of love effusing from you on Twitter these days. Is, is, that, is that deliberate? Or is it just you? Is it just the way you are? Not really. I, I mean, I, you know, I kind of, to, to use a, a Walter Rotten expression, try and keep the peace mm. um, as, as much as possible. And, you know, I've, I've always had the opinion that, um, you know, Chelsea's global. I'm very lucky that I live 10 miles from Stamford Bridge so I, I can go to games when, when it's permissible. Um, and, and obviously I'm lucky enough at the moment to be able to afford to go. Uh, so, you know, those things I've never, ever, ever taken for granted. And, you know... I, you know, I've tried to make this book as inclusive as possible, getting opinions from other people who don't all go to games. Um, but, you know, I, I think Chelsea should be for everyone. Where, where I have an issue is, um, you know, if, if people just, you know, shred the character of, of a player um, just just to suit an agenda where, you know, it seems to me sometimes people just say things just to try and get a few likes, to try and be a bit edgy. Um, and, you know, I think it's fairly obvious to everybody when, when that goes on. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I'm a glass half full kind of person when it, when it comes to Chelsea, always have been and, and always will be. Um, so yeah, and and I try and keep it inclusive. So I, I like I kind of like the, the the global nature of the club now. I like the fact I can chat to people who you know I may never meet um, uh, who who live 
thousands of miles away uh, about football. Um, it's just a nice thing. Uh, that's the nice thing about that platform. Um, well, I think you're you're right. And in a sense, Mark, I was leading up to that because what you're again describing is simpatico. And I think you and I both know, uh, largely through our experiences of, of writing and podcasting and, and the rest of it, you know, it, if you've been lucky enough to do that, which we have, then you soon realise very quickly that it doesn't really matter where you come from in the world. But if you get what supporting this club is about, then you are simpatico. And we can have friends like we do from India, Africa, Europe, America, you name it. Because if you get what supporting this club is about, if you get the culture of what this, you know, supporting this club is about, then you are all simpatico, aren't you? Oh, exactly, yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, a club, um, you know, not, not a divisive platform to, to you know, s- slander players, slander each other. I mean, I, you know, I get why people do that because... You know, it's a horrible world out there. Um, but, you know, if people just channeled some positivity in, into their lives, which you can do through football, you'd probably enjoy enjoy your life a bit more. Amen um, to that. Um, I mean, one of the things I picked up, you know, reading the bits of the book that I've read thus far, uh, and of course I know you pretty well, so it would be quite easy for me to spot, but I, I love the tone of it, which is a very, very much a style of your writing anyway, but... There was a wonderful kind of insouciant, uh, insouciant, I think that's the way I pronounce it, uh, view of all things Chelsea. There was kind of a, almost like a, a, a world weariness to do it at times. You've kind of seen it all before. But because it's you, it, it's tinged with quite a self de- self-deprecating and subtle humour. And I think that that's, that's, you know, expressed most beautifully, really, in in terms of things like, you know, Mourinho's criticism of Frank, of the ITK clan, as you call them on Twitter, and in fact, football Twitter as a whole, and their kind of, you know, the extreme positions they take. You know, you don't go in there, you know, having a having a pop at them, but there's just this wonderful kind of world-weary humour you direct towards <laughs> the situation, which I really enjoyed, I've got to say. Yeah, no, I, I think... Given the type of season um, that that it turned out to be, uh, you know, it it was one of those seasons where you had to rely on the fact, you know, if you're a seasoned Chelsea supporter, it was easier to deal with losing at home to Southampton on Boxing Day um, than it it would be for somebody of, you know, slightly younger years who, who might have, because they're only young, you know, have come to Chelsea in, in the last two or three years and is struggling to grasp the concept of the fact that actually, weirdly, it's in Chelsea's DNA to to lose to teams like Bournemouth after they've beaten Manchester City uh, and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a sense of, you know what, we all love it and it is important to us on a level, but it's not, the most in, I mean I think Carlo Ancelotti uh super simpatico manager as you described absolutely him. yeah I mean he 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 said this it was a beautiful beautiful statement he made he said that football is the most important of the least important things mm. and, and I I just thought what a brilliant way to sum it up and in a sense that's that's what you convey through the book that 
you know, yeah, it is important to us, you know, and we do take it seriously. But you know what? You lose a match, life goes on, you know, and, uh, you know, there's always another match. And I think actually that brings into focus, I mean, you know, when when, when you and I look back at this when we're in a care home for ex-Chelsea <laughs> authors and podcasters on our Zimmer frames, you know, th- we'll look back on this season and we'll go, oh, yeah, that's the season that they had to stop for that weird virus thing and, and we yeah, didn't yeah, actually yeah. get to see any of it for five months. Yeah. You know, and it really, what Carlo said really brought that into focus, didn't he? I mean, yeah, you cover it beautifully in the book, Mark. I'm just going to read uh, a, a quick, um, you know, a quick, quick passage out of it, if you don't mind, which really sums up, you know, the shock, really, because it just moved really quickly, didn't it? If you if you remember mm. it. Uh, but in the space of seven days, I'd gone from experiencing the joy of taking my daughter to her first Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge and both of, us, both of us watching the Blues put one of their best displays under Frank Lampard when thrashing Everton 4-0 to wondering when top flight football would be played again. And here we are. And although it did get finished, we don't know when we're going back, do we? Well, exactly. And, and obviously we're talking today on the day that the football um, fixtures have been released for, for the 2020-2021 season. Um, you know, and, and I know we've got Liverpool's second game and we're thinking, well, that's going to come too soon to, to be back at the bridge. But there's a couple of tasty fixtures at the back end of November. Um, I think we've got Tottenham at home and then Leeds at home. Um, you know, and they're, they're games that... Probably, if you if you had to ask, if you gave a Chelsea supporter only two games that they could go to in the season, looking at that fixture list, they'd want to go to Tottenham and Leeds. They would be the, the two auto picks. And, you know, the date of those games, you're kind of like thinking, hmm. Maybe. We'll, maybe. March. <laughs> Will we have to draw lots? Will we be socially distanced in Gate 17? Well, I mean, it's. Uh, I think the uh, Leeds away is March the thirteenth. So I was thinking, beware the Ides of March. But uh, wow. you know, yeah. you never know. We might be back by then, but we just don't know. But I mean, what's happened? I mean, you know, it's an interesting. I mean, give, given that this is arguably probably one of the most significant things that's happened to football, arguably in our lifetime, possibly. I mean, I can think of. Mm. I mean, the impact of uh, Hillsborough. I think significantly, fundamentally changed football. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I can't. I mean, I think. In, I mean, I'm not trying to say this is bigger than Hillsborough, but in terms of its impact on the game and us as supporters, I would say it's certainly up there. So, I mean, how did that, you know, frame the book in a sense? Well, I, th- I think one of the things that becomes apparent um, in the book that I kind of highlight. Um, later on as, as the crisis kind of unfolds is the fact that it, it almost came from nowhere. Um, it doesn't get mentioned in the book until a couple of, I think a week or so before that Everton game, which was the last game that supporters were allowed to attend. Um, it just doesn't get a mention because why would it? Um, it I think it's only when, uh, a couple of games get called off abroad and then um, I think it was a Manchester City game got called off uh, against Arsenal and then you suddenly think, oh, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Um, 
and then just that kind of sense of you know the way the way the numbers ramped up in terms of the number of people uh being you know diagnosed with coronavirus crisis and then unfortunately the death toll um and then kind of that sense i i thought one of the nice byproducts of it all given given some of the hostility that we've already spoken about on you know football twitter uh, in general is the, the there was a you know those first two three four weeks there was a real kind of sense of community amongst chelsea supporters that people were posting you know their favorite photos stories about favorite games um you know there's a there was a big outpouring of that kind of shared um you know let's pass the time together kind of thing and we'll get through this which which was great i you know i thought um and obviously it was also quite a, a sad time not only because um of what was going on in the wider world but you know we lost players you know peter benetti passed away um and and in fact you know i think norman hunter passed away as well you know there was kind of that that whole and it was the 50th anniversary of um the 1970 fa cup final sort of came and went during that early period of of lockdown so there was lots lots to talk about in terms of chelsea history that kind of you know was pos- a positive thing for everyone um and in the meantime you know the numbers just kept going on up and up and there was absolutely no clarity of you know how we were going to come out of it what it was going to look like and then eventually we kind of get to the point where project restart is the phrase is coined and it's what's that going to look like you know the the, the football without fans is is nothing um arguments all of those things over a period of time um you know there was always something going on but we all had to adjust from taking for granted the simple pleasure of you know meeting your mates and going to a football game um you know which as i said earlier you know living close to the ground you've got the money to be able to afford to do it you just do it you, you never think you're not going to be able to do it unless you you can't afford to go or or you know you have to move away or whatever yeah it's just one of those things you take for granted then it's gone and then it comes back but you can't go oh, no it's bizarre um, sorry mark go on no 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 i mean that that, that was the, the, oh, well. the point i was making so there's quite a lot of you know adjusting that that people had to do um just in terms of the way they perceive the game and, and obviously in a broader context, life in general. Well, indeed. And you're right. I mean, you know, there was real life going on outside and people were dying. It's interesting what you say about Norman Hunter, because he, he definitely, he, he definitely succumbed to COVID. Yeah, exactly. He, he was a COVID casualty. Peter Bonetti, sadly, I mean, he, he, he didn't die of COVID. That's for sure. No. Um, I mean, you sum it up really well. I mean, actually just before I read, I'm going to read a passage out about really you, you summed up. I think perfectly that situation about what we miss as you, as you do so eloquently when you write, but actually the thought that actually I'll read this out and then I'll, then I'll tell you what I thought the match day. This is from Marco's book. Uh, The match day felt strange to me. Years and years of the same routine halted 
No CFC UK stall. No meeting Bobby Tambling. No pre-match banter with friends. No expectant... Well, well, and chuckles cabby, of course. No expectant buzz walking up the Fulham Road to the bridge. No gate 17. No standing up and applauding the players as they walked out onto the pitch to the sound of liquidator pumping from the stadium sound system. The only consolation was that for the first time in at least a decade, the shimmering beauty of the Harry J All-Stars tune wasn't sullied with a We Hate Tottenham chant. Every cloud and all that. I mean, again, typical Marco kind of that wonderful kind of subtle world weary humor but you you nail what what we miss in a sense but the, the point I was about to make which which I, you know if I have a takeout from this season if I was writing a book thank god for everybody I haven't but if I have one takeout about this season and you and I we talk we, you know we we talk very well hugely all through the season in our writings and on the podcast about the match day experience in a sense that's what kind of makes our work what it is and the thing that I take out from this season is how democratising the situation has become. I mean, how equalising it has become. Our our kind of perspective on the game now is no different from, you know, somebody sitting in a, a pub in Texas or a, a flat in Bombay or, uh, you know, a pub in Australia. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Our, our experience now is all the same because we're all seeing it through the prism of a TV screen. Mm. We're not there anymore. No, no, uh, it's true. Um, and you know, to be honest with you, I mean, one of one of the one of the points that I kind of make in the book about because I was totally against the idea of, of the season resuming at yeah, the outset. I wasn't keen. I wasn't keen. And I, I think many people were. Um, but it kind of, from a mental health point of view, um, I actually found it a very positive thing just to be able to sit there and watch a game every day, which is something I have never done. Um, you know, being a Chelsea supporter, I kind of, you know, and obviously living here in the UK where we don't have the the opportunity to watch as much football as, you know, some, some of the supporters who live, well, pretty much anywhere else apart from the UK, who have access to a lot more football and, and can watch, you know, two or three games a day and, and watch games every day of the week. Um, you know, the fact that we were suddenly able to do that, I actually, you know, I quite enjoyed it. I got used to it very quickly. Um uh, and it was great, you know, uh, and, it, and it, was, it was strange, you know, just to sit there and, you know, go and get a can of beer and sit in front of your TV with the social media on and, and, and watch the game and, and chat about it, you know, in real time. And then I've never watched so much football uh, in my entire life as I, as I have in the last few weeks. I mean, literally... I've just watched game every day um, and, and enjoyed it as well. You know, it, it was good for me. It was a good thing to do. Mm. So it kind of worked out okay. I mean, obviously, I would rather be in the stadium um, experiencing football as it's meant to be. I mean, I'm not sure... I'm not sure about this idea of not being able to sing and shout. I'm not, I'm not sure how, quite how that's going to work out when they 
you know, start to allow supporters back into the stadium. But I'll take, you know, I'll take what's offered at the moment. Um, you know, and the play, you know, Chelsea's players were committed to the cause. It was interesting. It was Chelsea. We won some, we lost some. And thought, you know, we were robbed by a referee. All those things that um, happen that we get angry about and, you know, vent our spleen and it's all that great big Arctic experience. When you're at the game, I, I sort of switched to the television side of that quite well. Um, Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. But it's not the same, is it, Marco? And, no, no, it's and not. I mean, and that, that totally underlines the point. And... Uh, you know, I, I, I read you another passage, you know, because the simpatico theme run, runs throughout the book. But in a sense, what what frames it on at the outset really is kind of setting it in the context of what we had the season before, where, you know, the football wasn't great, although we were, as always, quite successful. But the toxicity, uh, you know, really seem to separate down the lines predominantly of match going versus Chelsea football Twitter fans. Mm. Uh, and and you've set it in that context and you called it factory reset, which I think is a really lovely way of putting it. You mm. know, we've lost Hazard. Uh, we've got a transfer ban. Uh, we bring, bring Frank back in, but also Petr Cech, uh, Jody Morris, a whole, a whole load of, uh, you know, ex Chelsea uh, players. There seems to be, a real desire to reset it in a very different image. And you, you said beautifully at the end of that chapter, I think we've got our Chelsea back. And I think that's what has sustained us even through this mad period since March mm. when we haven't been able to go. Yeah. I think, I think what's interesting 
Um, the fact that, you know, we we had Frank as manager, and I also think Cesar Aspilicueta acquitted himself very well during um, the, 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 the kind of the lockdown, the, the, the hiatus period, just in terms of the way those guys communicated with with the world. Um, you know, I, I think it was a lot easier to sort of live with what was going on with those guys, you know, the, the manager and the captain speaking in the way they did. Um, you know, I think it would have been horrible, even worse, um, had we been, you know, where we were last season with Sarri, who, you know, his worst fault was the fact that he just didn't communicate. He he had no interest in building no it. Yeah, no, no interest, you know, and for an Italian guy, you know, I'm sure he is a nice guy when he's with his friends and family, but he's not a simpatico guy, you know. He's not good-natured, agreeable and easy to like. He's anti-pasty, um, mate. Well, and, you know, I, I just think that, you know, Frank um, Frank and, As and Aspie did such a good job and the club also, just in the way they um, provided help and support for the local community, for the NHS, for local charities, all of those things... It was good. It was a, a great public face of Chelsea and it was great. You know, I felt very proud to be associated with, with, with the football club. Um, you know, and you, you only had to look at what was going on elsewhere um, to see that it wasn't a level playing field. So I think, you know, Chelsea emerged with great credit during the crisis and it, and it and, you know, there was a feel-good factor to being associated with that. Absolutely. Well, actually, on that point, it's a good point to to, to bring in or, or mention the fact that um, you're donating a pound uh, from every book sale to the uh, Hammersmith and Fulham Food Bank, which, of course, is something that the, the wonderful Cliff Auger, who's the current chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust, has set up and been involved with, of course, and, and you know, on a match day, Cliff and a few of the others from the trust uh, would uh, man the food bank collection point and people would donate money or bits and bobs of food from a list that we give so that we can, uh, you know, donate it to that organisation and, uh, you know, provide some really important stuff for people who desperately need it. So it's a very generous uh, gesture of you, but in keeping really with what you were saying about Chelsea's overall, you know, good heartedness, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, exactly. And I think, um, you know, I've, I've kind of learned a, quite a bit about, you know, what the food bank does, how it, how it benefits people living in crisis in, you know, in the local neighbourhood of, of Stamford Bridge and, you know, just the extent of that and the fact that, you know, during, during lockdown, that kind of worsened for a lot of people. But the donations, obviously... I mean, what we, what we put together, what we collect at the, at the store when we do that is, is just a small part, I guess, of, of what is collected on a broader perspective. But nevertheless, you know, it, it's, 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 it's always very well received. Um, and I, I just thought, well, you know, we're not, we don't have the store. So, 
even if it's you know, even if it's only a couple of hundred quid or whatever, it, it's it's a couple of hundred quid, isn't it? And yeah. you know, every everybody's that will feed a lot of families. That I can tell oh. you, you know, from my involvement in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a sense, Marco, what you you've underlined again, you know, whether it's us or whether it's the club, it's about community. And and even when the football hasn't been going on, uh, you realise how important that that community is and how important it is to stay together in, in very tough times. And I think, you know, in a sense, you know, you embody that, not just with the generosity of the, of the donation, but that's for me, in a sense, uh, what the, the stall represents. You know, and you, you describe it, you know, brilliantly in the book on, on quite a few occasions, but, you know people from all all over the world who know who you are they come and, and meet there they have a chat with people a bit of joking you know chuckles is always there with his you know uh he gets the the the, the team sheet in before everybody else it seems and it's a it's a hop off on the way to the pub for others like me you know we sell the fanzine but it is it's about community and i think in a sense what what runs through the theme of the book is how that community perhaps in in a sense through necessity because of the fact that we can't do that anymore has has expanded out into the the more virtual world of twitter you know we've got whatsapp groups for example for the chelsea fancast i've got a whatsapp group for the uh you know i, I always go drinking with a lot of them in the cock pub the cock tavern It'd be no surprise to to know that the name of our whatsapp group is cock or no cock um <laughs> well that's largely because i'm often late i i should there is no kind of other sexual uh inference there at all it's because quite often I, I just do a no show. So we named it Cock or No Cock. So we've got a WhatsApp group for the pub. And it's all a way of keeping in touch with keeping that community together, even if you can't see each other. And that's one of the things I liked about the book that you've done so brilliantly, actually. And you said so earlier on, you've incorporated a lot of uh, a lot of feedback and input from people who might not be able to go to games by virtue of the fact that they you either WhatsApp them and you got them to say a few words about various things or you 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 know got them to tweet you or whatever and i thought that was a really lovely touch in a way that for me does embody this whole community minded ethic that we've got going yeah i wasn't i sort of made a conscious decision to do that at the outset of the book obviously without knowing what was going to happen um i I just thought it'd be interesting to get some opinions about frank and about what they thought was going to happen over the course of the season just general you know predictions not not reinventing the wheel but just to kind of include all of that and try and make it as you know diverse as possible in terms of um who who was you know whose whose opinions were canvassed um so yeah and and then you know just kind of continued it through the book um, and obviously through the through the crisis as well. So you know it's, it's quite interesting um, once we get into the crisis and this project restart. Just to you know the the, the the shifting sands of opinion about football resuming and um, you know how all that maps out and then kind of you know the afterglow of. Anthony Taylor robbing us of an FA Cup final victory. Um, you know, all, all of those things. It, just nice just to have that rather than it just being my, you know, the author's opinion, um, just to broaden it out a bit and make it more inclusive. 
Yeah, I like that. Even though I I, I don't know what I don't know what happened to me at the, happened to me at the beginning of the season. I must must have must have missed the memo or something. But I did I did get a squeak in the end, which was something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, you're you not know, responding to the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably ignoring. I, pro- I probably muted you, Marco, or blocked you or something. <laughs> but um, it's a it's a good point actually because this is one of the things I wanted to ask you really because I know we've been talking you know quite broad brush thematically really. But what I r- really ought to say is that above everything else, this book is just a brilliant. As I said, it's a brilliant chronicle of the season. So basically, Marco's he's got every game in there um granular detail so you've got the team sheet you've got you know all of that kind of information but marco also you know gives his pretty considered uh view on what happened in the game which is always worth a read in isolation anyway as well as what's going on at the time so marco's got you know post-match uh press conference quotes from frank in there pretty much after every game and he's got what the mood of the support is you know through the prism of social media so it's it's a fantastic chronicle of the season in a whole every game warts and all and the thing that occurred to me mark when when i was reading it was how did you put that together did you do you have a diary do you write notes? I mean, you must have known you were going to do... That's how I came away with it. I thought, ah, he, oh, he knew he was going to do this at the beginning of the season. So he's made notes all the way through. I like that. I like that. So, how, I mean, what was the process? Was it pretty much that? I think I, I decided I decided when Frank got the job that I was going to do this book. Um, and, he, you know, it was clear he was going to get the job maybe a month before he did get the job so I sort of started out on the journey about writing about the simpatico manager kind of thing and then the the, the structure just pretty much followed what I'd done with the Conte books so it's it's written in real time Um, hence uh, you know kind of the things that happen along the way like Mourinho becoming the manager of Tottenham is dealt with on a, you know, bloody hell. Mourinho's the manager of Tottenham. Um, you know, that that kind of thing. So it's, it's kind of done stage by stage rather than uh, retrospectively. Um, so I, I, I literally, just, just from a structure perspective, it, it's, it's the way I, I, I worked on the Conte books. So once the season's off and running... Um, it's as, as you described, it's an even mix of, you know, the way I see the game, the opinions of others, what what the manager and the players say after the games, and and sort of what's happening in between days. Uh, just in terms of, and this, this season's kind of dominated by, I think one one of the underlying entertaining aspects of the book is is the ITK uh, transfer rumours um, and it, it is quite funny when you go back and look at you know the players that were being rumoured to be done deals in in coming in for January when obviously nobody came in um, you know we were we were signing players like Gabriel Barbosa um, <laughs> Gabigol you know, and what and what what is quite interesting on on that topic is maybe the first half of the book 
it's all Jaden Sancho this and Jaden Sancho that, and not a mention of Kai Havertz. Um, and then and then it's all Kai Havertz towards the end. Uh, and it's also interesting, for example, the, the Hakim Ziyech deal just came out of nowhere. Um, there was no ITK, uh, any, there was nothing. Nobody knew about that deal. Um, as far as you know, as, as far as we we're aware, so there's there's kind of that sort of little thread running through the, all the way through the book, which kind of becomes more frenzied towards the end, um, and then obviously the, the book has to stop, uh, so we, we don't get to the point where Havertz becomes a Chelsea player, but we kind of live and breathe the Timo Werner um, to Chelsea. Uh, story on a on a day by day basis and kind of the, all that hysteria that surrounded it. Yeah, we'll get that. Well, that'll be in next year's book, obviously. But I, I have to say, I love the fact well, there that isn't going to be a book next year. It's de- definitely not. <laughs> no, no, there's not going to be a follow up. Really, you always say no. that. And every year, a book comes out. <laughs> not, not, not a follow up to this. <laughs> um, I was going to say, you know. That's actually, I love the fact that it is written in real time because, you know, it it it, uh, it removes any of that awful post-rationalisation and revisionism, which we're all so guilty of usually. Uh, and I'm, and I, I know this for a fact because I was quite taken aback how you excoriated uh, Jorginho in the Fancast season review uh, earlier this week. And then I read at the beginning of the book, I, I can't remember, it might be in the Norwich game, but uh, you know, the, the, we're all chanting Jorginho, Georgie, and you were like absolutely approving of that. And I th- and I was reading that, thinking, Christ, what happened? What did he do to piss Marco off by the end of the season? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know because you you went into it on on the fan yeah, cast, yeah. but but I like that. I like the fact that because that is it is real life, isn't it? Is that you know that is football. We we change our minds about stuff. Exactly. We exactly. get things wrong. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, exactly. Yeah, we don't know quite as much as we like to think we do, and I think it's beautifully brave in a way to to put that in print in this day and age but there you go um marco um before i get into how we can all get this book i'm gonna i'm gonna read you funnily enough mentioning caro road because you you again you you have a, a very pertinent uh passage here which could pretty much sum up the season as a whole and i think really in terms of the flavor of the book really captures it perfectly and you said uh, at caro road i was reminded why i love football and chelsea so much that unbreakable feeling of togetherness. The manager, his backroom team, the players and the supporters, all as one. Superb. And that absolutely nails it for me. And it's, in a sense, if the season has been about anything, if you take away the COVID stuff, if, you know, that's really what it's been about, that whole factory reset to where we are now. Yeah, and, it, and it, how gutting it is that, you know, we kind of missed the last third or quarter of the season um, and weren't able to, you know, ride the crest of the wave because, it, 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 you know, again, obviously in the, in the book, um, we were really sailing, uh, you know, Billy Gilmore was God. Um, uh, you know, we, we knocked Liverpool out of the cup, we walloped Everton um, and it was kind of like, oh, wow, this is great. And then it was all, you know, the rug was pulled from under our feet. Um and it all came all came to a juddering halt. 
and you know, and, and I think that's you know, nothing we could do about it. But what a tragedy, given uh, the the way everything had come together at that point point in time. Um, you know, you, you, football's strange, isn't it? Um, you know, obviously it was good, great that Frank got us over the line in terms of qualifying for the Champions League. The, 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 the cup final, you know, was kind of one of those we was robbed. Um, but, you know, you, you could take a more detached, cynical view of it and say, well, actually, we were shit as well as robbed. Um, and, you know, there, there were quite a few, you know, familiar areas that are problematical for Chelsea in terms of, you know, the, the defensive issues that, that obviously are covered throughout the game. And you kind of think, you know, you look at the fixtures for next season and you're wondering, um, you know, how the, how the players are going to get on without having our support. I mean, I think, you know, it's a reasonable start we've got there. I know we've got Liverpool the second game, but... Get them out of the way early, mate. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the other games are fairly OK. Um, but, you know, you kind of think, the players and the manager need the supporters. Um, and there will come a point where, you know, it's, it's not going to be plain sailing all the way. It never is, especially at Chelsea. Um, and you just wonder the longer this goes on that, you know, we're not in a position to support the, 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 the team in the way we want to, um, if there will be a kind of a knock on effect. Um, you know, and things don't come together in, you know, the, the level of expectation now, you know, if we get the Havertz deal over the line, it's going to be extraordinary. Um, Can he play so, in defence? Pardon? Can he play in defence? Me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you too, mate. I'll have you, mate. I'll have anybody well. at the moment. <laughs> I mean, you know, I... I you're you're a crack. You you always you know. I I pride myself in the titles that I give, you know, each weekly fan cast and and, and rate myself as quite a, a clever dick in that respect. Uh, I would never call you a clever dick, but you you have a real knack of coming up with, uh, you know, titles for your books that capture the zeitgeist. Uh, you know, the the Conte books being a, a classic example of that. Seldom could there have been a f a more appropriate title for a book this year on Chelsea than When Skies Are Grey. Uh, as we know, we it's a song we all love. And it's funny, isn't it, Marco? I've sung that song for years and I've never understood what it meant yeah. until now. I just, I, I'm not going to uh, wind people up by singing it. I'll just read it. But, you know, you are my Chelsea, my only Chelsea. You make me happy when skies are grey. You'll never notice how much I love you until you've taken my Chelsea away. And now we know what it means, because that's what's happened. And I think that just underlines this season perfectly. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, and, and I, I do kind of highlight that very point that you made there, um, that, you know, for 40 years, I've been singing that song. And it, just because you sing it, it's just yeah. like going Chelsea, 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 and you just sing it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, until you've taken my Chelsea away. Um, 
you know, God, how did that happen? When do we get it back? Um, and who knows? So yeah, you know, I think it come, you know, it comes across in the book. What a big loss it is not to have um, the, the Chelsea in the way that we used to have in Chelsea for, for, for those of us fortunate to get to games. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I will certainly drink to it returning. Um, but uh, before that, you can all read uh, about the season we've just had. And, and if, you, if you've got any of Marco's books, then you'll, you'll have a very good idea of uh, the quality of what, what to expect. Um, Marco, how can we get your new book? So it is, uh, for the present time, it's exclusive on Amazon. Um, they are printing it in various countries around the world. So there's no big postage charges. So paperback is available worldwide. And there's also kind of like the ebook Kindly thing for people who like that, um, which obviously is uh, available worldwide as well. So, yeah, and um, pound goes to the food bank for every copy sold of the ebook and the paperback i think hopefully one day we might have some copies on the store if we return to the store but for the time being it is amazon.com well there you go see that, that we're talking more about the democratization process because you see, normally i would saunter up to the stall nab a, a free signed copy from you and, and walk away looking smug now I'm, I'm like everybody else i just have to go to amazon and get it <laughs> off amazon <laughs> so probably serves me right really but there you go how much is it it is in the uk it's uh 12.95 for the paperback and 2.95 for the download Excellent, excellent. Well, Marco, as always, uh, I know it'll be a cracker. I mean, I've read, read some of it already, as you know, but uh, uh, best wishes and huge success for your latest book. Uh, the more we sell, the more donations to the Hammersmith and Fulham Food Bank, which is a great cause and very close to my heart, as you are too, mate. Uh, great to catch up with you in a slightly different way than we normally do on a Monday. Um, yeah. But thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Good, mate. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.